Welcome to the Blue Fire Digital Network. Welcome to the Godly Fathers Podcast, a podcast for young dads trying to live a godly life and raise godly children. I'm your host, Morgan Monroe. Let's get into the dad life. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. And that raises an interesting question that I don't know if all of us think about that often, which is, when do you become an adult? When do you go from boyhood to manhood, girlhood to womanhood? Like, when do you have that step? And I think, I think that's different for everyone, right? Like people just mature at different rates. Um, and we're crafted by a lot of variables. Uh, and part of, part of it's going to be our belief system. Some of it's going to be, um, our environment, you know, how we were raised, uh, what was around us growing up. Um, and, and then some of it's really just going to come down to our personalities. So I don't think there's like a, a set age or experience necessarily that defines you um, as an adult from a child. But I was kind of turned on to this idea of rites of passage recently. Uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, this guy, John Tron, I grew up watching his videos in high school. Um, he does a lot of uh, internet commentary. He used to do a lot of video game commentary. Doesn't post very frequently any, anymore. But he recently did a collaboration with Incognito Mode on YouTube. And uh, I recommend checking out those those two videos because um, it, it's just really funny. Um, I wouldn't consider it very PG. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's more in the PG-13 territory. You know, it's got some language and uh, crude humor, but, um, they talked about a, a, a lot of like cultural differences and where the future is going and, uh, stuff like that. It was, uh, big brain <laughs> topics and, you know, for these potty mouth comedians to be talking about like, um, you know, like, like interesting philosophical things about history and where culture is going. Um, it was really, it was really fun, uh, to hear that. Um, and entertaining. Maybe don't watch it with small ears around, though. <laughs> um, however, one of the things that they talked about in that video was rites of passage, and they 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 went down to this um, this one story about this tribe. I don't remember where the tribe was, but uh, women would go down to the water and and stay there to kind of loosen up any relations with the water spirits to make way for their future husbands. It was this really interesting thing that I'm sure would make more sense if we knew more about the culture itself, but I thought it was really interesting. And it, and it kind of occurred to me that like in our culture, we don't have as Americans specifically. And um, if I, I remember the data, right, pretty much almost everyone who listens to this podcast is an American. Um, but like here, we don't really have much of that, right? We don't have a lot of rites of passage per se. There's not a lot of a uh, ritual of sorts that takes us from childhood to adulthood. Um, 
but I think that's something that matters, right? Like, I think it's something that um, subconsciously our soul kind of longs for that because we've kind of replaced any real uh, substantial, what's the word? Anything substantial as a rite of passage, we've kind of filled in that hole as a society. So we have all these these dumb rites of passage. Maybe it's like oh, when you when you graduate high school, when you turn eighteen, um, something like that. Or um, you know, maybe it's when you turn uh, twenty one. Which I I think it's this is kind of a side tangent, but like what what so why is eighteen when we say you are an adult when all of the age limits are set to twenty one? You know, like that seems odd to me. But you know, so so now we have all of these. Um, cultural things about like, oh, you're legally now an adult um, instead of like uh, having that responsibility of an adult necessarily. And that leads us to having these like really uh, shallow meanings of what it means to go from childhood to adulthood. Maybe it's um, when you have your first beer. Maybe it's when you um, get your first car, um, get your first job, um, when you lose your virginity. Uh, And most of these things are like, they don't mean Anything in the sense of I have gone from childhood to adulthood, and they, these are all pretty shallow things. Not that any of them are insignificant; they are significant things. But like to me, the only thing I could think of in our culture that even comes close to that is um, when someone tells you you have become an adult. When in a, an adult, uh, not necessarily even a parent, but some parental or um, guidance type figure in your life tells you that you have moved from childhood to adulthood. And that's like the closest thing we, we have to that. Um, and, and I don't know how much of that there even is because, um, I, you know, gave some statistics in the episode zero and episode one of this podcast where I was talking about the real fatherlessness epidemic that we have, uh, specifically in this, this culture, in this society <clears throat> here in the United States. It's, a uh, so I don't know how much of that we even have. And so then you also have this, this peer problem where now these group of kids are deciding how that growing up happens when you go from childhood to adulthood. And I have a long time to really grasp what this is going to mean for my family. But I feel like it's important. I feel like it's important to have some kind of rite of passage. And there's a lot of variables in here. And I'm going to give some, some other examples, um, today in this, in this episode, but I have a long time to worry about that, right? Like my child is not going to be of any kind of age for a long time. And as, as we go through some of these, um, examples, um, you're going to kind of see that it varies on like what age they do this at. Regardless though, uh, Maya is only uh, 31 weeks along in the womb, <laughs> so I have a long time to think about this. But I don't think it's—I don't think it's ever too early to start thinking about that, right? Something that I've kind of had conversations with with uh, with parents so far is it's never too early to start thinking about this because you want to be prepared for when those things come along. So uh, let's go ahead and get into that. Uh, but yeah, like I just said, uh, quick baby update: my my wife is now 31 weeks pregnant with Maya. Uh, so she's about three and a half pounds, the size of a coconut, roughly. 
Um, so we're getting there. We're, we're only about two months away from our due date, uh, which is crazy to think about. So if you could, you know, uh, send some thoughts and prayers over, uh, help give us the, uh, the strength to, to, uh, get through that. Cause as we kind of get closer and closer to the, uh, the due date in November, my wife is, while very excited, she's starting to get nervous, like, oh, I'm going to actually have to deliver this baby. That's going to be hard on me, you know? So, um, I'm sure she could use the encouragement, use the support, um, as we're getting closer and closer to that. And then the stress is also starting to come down on me because, you know, I'm thinking about my wife having to go through that. And then also, um, we are not ready for her to arrive. <laughs> um, and, and maybe you never really are is something that I've also kind of gathered from other parental figures is you're never really ready. Um, the baby's going to come. And even if you prepare for anything imaginable, uh, there's always going to be something else just because every child is different. And um, there's always something that you overlooked just on the logistical standpoint of things. But uh, yeah, there's just a lot to do still in a relatively short amount of time. Um, but you know, let's go ahead and get into the episode. Um, so I think specifically what, what made me want to do this is we don't have a lot specifically in Christian culture in modern Western Christian, Christian culture that defines necessarily a rite of passage into, um, into adulthood. The closest thing I could think of, um, was baptism. But baptism, I don't think is necessarily like the same thing. I don't think it's the, the movement from, uh, childhood to adulthood. And I, and again, I don't think there's like a a definitive black line anywhere there. I think it's, uh, a growth that happens over time. Um, but more than it is, um, worldly maturity, I think baptism is more of a spiritual maturity. I think baptism is wonderful. I think it's important. Um, but I think it's more of a symbol of your spiritual commitment to Christ uh, more than it is um, a rite of passage in the sense of what I'll be talking about throughout this episode. I think it's I think it's a little bit different. I there I think there is some correlation, but that's like, but I think that's different, right? Because also like a lot of adults are gonna not get baptized until they're in their twenties or their thirties, maybe even later on, because they had to go through life and they had to uh, grow and find out what their relationship with God means and what it means to actually walk because a lot of people just grow up in the church and they kind of just go through the motions and they um, take a long time to kind of take that step into furthering that relationship. So I don't necessarily know how much baptism actually is going to uh, coincide with exactly what I'm trying to get get to in this in this episode. Um, but in our culture, we do get to see um, some things but they're not necessarily for us or in our sphere. I mean, maybe there is some some crossover. Um, so the two that I think, the two examples I could really think of um, were quinceañeras um, and bar mitzvahs. Uh, quinceañeras are the 15th uh, birthday, uh, specifically for uh, in Latino culture for young girls. And it's supposed to be a, a party um, that kind of signifies the movement from childhood to adulthood. So it, that is more of what I'm trying to get at here. And it's kind of this big, like extravagant party. Like this is like a big deal in their, in their culture. And we see it a lot here in the States because we have a, a pretty large Latino population, but it, and it's like six, the, like the sweet 16 
to the max, but it's also a prom. And it's also like they go just as hard as they would for a wedding. Um, it's a big deal. Um, but from what, what I've been able to research and the few people I know who have been to them or had them, it, it doesn't seem so much as it just seems like a big extravagant birthday more than it is the um, moving on with your life and growing up. Because, I mean, what significant is, is happening when you turn 15? I guess not a lot. Um, but the, the bigger example that I think we have some exposure to in our culture are bar mitzvahs or uh, bat mitzvahs for, for women. And this, this happens in, in Jewish culture uh, when either the boy turns 13 or the girl turns 12. Um, and something you're going to notice is that like that rough estimated age is really going to be popular across the board here because that's kind of when you're going through puberty and your, your body is changing. So in that sense, it, it makes sense um, that your body is literally changing from you look like a child to you look like an adult. But I think in specifically um, Jewish culture, I think it's an amazing thing because um, in, in a lot of ways, it's kind of the same thing. It's like this big party and they get the, all the family together. Um, and, and it's this interesting mix of a spiritual thing and a actual physical worldly thing. Um, and specifically, the kind of point is um, kind of going back to even like that scripture that I read at the beginning that it's going from the adult is responsible for the child in what they say and do, right? Because a, a kid is going to act usually in accordance to how they are raised. But once a child becomes a certain age, the parent can't take responsibility anymore. And that's a big part of the bar mitzvah is you go from the parent is responsible for the actions of the child to now the child is at a point where they can think for themselves and take responsibility for their own actions. And I think that's just a really uh, a cool way to think about it. Um, and, and you'll kind of see that that's kind of something that we get into uh, farther along here. Um, so I'm actually going to go through uh, three more examples of rites of passage. These are, these are all things that I don't think we necessarily have any real exposure to in, in American culture and especially in the Christian culture. Um, and it's not necessarily that these are things that I want to do because some of these are terrible. Um, but I think there's something in them that stands out as like, I see the importance in it. Um, and so this, this is a list that I got from, uh, uh, globalcitizen.org. I'll make sure to have a link to it in the show notes. Um, and it was a list of 13 rites of passage, and uh, they're all very brief, like one-paragraph descriptions, uh, but that's kind of where I got this from. It also did go into bar mitzvahs and quinceañeras, and I think Sweet Sixteens were on there as well, which I didn't even really want to touch on because, like, I don't I don't know anyone who's really gone out for their Sweet Sixteen, you know? Like, I think that's kind of a thing of the past, like something that, like, our parents' generations were were doing more than, than we do, and... Um, you know, like one of the big things is for sweet 16s is you would, oh, well, now I can drive and I'm halfway through high school, you know, so like I'm kind of getting there. And at that point, you know, your puberty's really gone along. So like, but like, I don't know how much of that even means anything <laughs> nowadays. So um, I didn't even really want to spend, spend time on it. But 
uh, yeah, so I have three more examples I want to get through here in this episode. And um, I want to just write a brief summary of what I was able to find out about each of those things. Um, and then try to explain what I think is, is important or special about it. Um, and again, a couple of these are not great and they are not something I would put my child through, but, um, I think there's still something to take away and it's some food for thought on thinking about like, what do you think are important ideals for your child to take with them from childhood into adulthood? What is something that you think is going to prepare them for life? And I think that's something that we all need to start thinking about as, as parents and, you know, um, it's never too early to start thinking about it because, um, as you're going to see again, it's, it's really that like 12, 13 ish age that a lot of this, these things are happening. All right. So the first example I want to get to is, I'm sorry if I pronounced this wrong, the Setir Mao tribe in, uh, the Brazilian Amazon. Uh, when the boys in that tribe turn 13, they gather a bunch of bullet ants. A tribe leader then sedates the ants with an herbal solution and it, those those ants are then woven into a glove with the stingers of the ants facing inwards. The boys will then have to wear the glove for at least 10 minutes. And by that time, the ants have awoken and become an angry. So obviously they are going to sting a lot. The boys can't show any sign of pain, uh, as a symbol of being ready for adulthood, being ready for manhood specifically. Uh, and this is, uh, something that is unfortunately commonly repeated up to 20 times uh, before the boy is able to pass. So my initial thoughts on that one is, well, yeah, it takes that many times because they have to get the nerve damage in order for that, them to get through that. <laughs> like they have to be gone through it so many times that they lose feeling in their hands. But I think specifically in a culture like that, where it's going to be very hands-on, right? They're, they're building a lot of stuff themselves. They're, uh, you know, gathering and they're they're hunting and they are more integrated into modern culture more so than maybe maybe someone might might think they're not like completely isolated from the rest of the world but there is something appealing about that right like i'm never going to uh like that sounds like borderline torture <laughs> but i think there is something in that right there there is a symbol of hey life is hard life is going to suck it's going to hurt a lot physically, mentally, because uh, I'm sure part of this is a mental game, right? Like, oh, my cat's meowing. I don't know if you can hear that. That's fun. Um, there is a, a mental capacity to that, right? Like, like think of like physical exercise. Like it's just as much of a, um, a mental game as it is actually being able physically to do it. Like you have to physically say, okay, I can do one more rep. It's just one more rep. You know, you, it's just as much of a mental game. So I think there is some some merit to this this example. Um, again, not something I would recommend doing with your kids, <laughs> but it, it I think there is merit to it in, in saying, "Hey, life is going to be hard. It's going to be painful, um, but you're going to get through it. You're going to survive." Um, I think there is some some merit to that. So um, the next example I want to use is um, North the North Baffin Island in Canada. Uh, it is one of the world's largest islands, um, and it is by far the largest island in Canada. It's really far up north there. Um, and in this, uh, in this, uh, 11 and 12 year old boys, um, well, it's traditionally for boys, but in like the last century or so, girls have taken part in it as well. Uh, they will go out into, uh, the woods 
with their fathers to test their hunting skills, their survival skills, their adaptation skills, and they'll specifically do it in the winter. And that's uh, really far north. So this is like Arctic tundra kind of stuff. Um, and then traditionally also, uh, their tribe shamans would open up uh, spiritual links to allow them to communicate with animals, which I don't know if there's anything to that. Like that's, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's not the point here. The point is though, <clears throat> is this is a, a beautiful opportunity for bonding and growth because growing up, you're going to have your, your parent who provides for you, who supports you, who plays with you. And now you guys are having to face this difficult situation, surviving in a Arctic wilderness for, um, I couldn't find like an exact, I don't think there's like an exact time frame that you do. It might be a few nights, it might be a week. I don't know. I couldn't find like an exact, um, time frame on how long they're out there, but you're learning how to hunt. You're learning how to, um, store food, how to build a shelter. You're like learning all of these things that are just good to know for a worst case scenario. Cause you just, you just never know. Um, but it, that's, I think the, the tip of the iceberg with this situation, it's the, the part of the iceberg that's under the water that you don't think about that you don't see in this scenario that I think is really special and has some merit to it because you're going to end up spending a ton of time one-on-one with no one else around. Um, and that's going to open up for a lot of conversations. It's going to open up for a lot of questions. And, and I think that that's what makes this special. I think what makes this special is if you have questions about adulthood as a child, you're going to be able to ask. And, and this is really going from my parent is someone who provides for me to, to really, this is my, my mentor and someone who I should be looking up to as I walk into adulthood. And I've heard some people talk about doing something like this, right? Like, um, I, I was in the Boy Scouts a little bit as, as a kid and, um, we never necessarily did anything this extreme, right? It was all very structured and safe and, and all that, but like, there is some merit, right? To going out there and learning all of these skills. Cause some of them are just going to translate to life better. It's not necessarily like, oh, my car broke down in the middle of nowhere and I need to make sure I can survive until I can figure out what to do. Or, um, if someone's going to come rescue me, like, like there is that in it, but there, a lot of it's just also going to translate to other parts of your life. Um, but I think specifically going through that with, with your kid, with them, it, it also, I think can help tighten your bond. Cause uh, think about it in that 11, 12 year old age, that's when they're, you know, uh, they're going to become very different people <laughs> there. That's when they're going to start going from, I love my parents to, Oh, parents are the worst, you know? So having an experience like this is also going to, I think, strengthen your bond with them. And it's going to uh, create a, a nice pillar of further trust as you go uh, into those teen years. And I think that's, I think that's really special. And, and in fact, this is actually my favorite of the three examples I was going to give. Cause I, I just think that like somewhere in here is a great option. Um, and I don't know how much of that is, is necessarily, uh, spiritually significant, but I don't necessarily think that they have to be tied like they are in, uh, in Jewish culture with their bar mitzvahs. I don't necessarily think that they have to necessarily be intertwined. Like, like I mentioned, we, we do have baptism, right? We do have some kind of, um, spiritual tie to a rite of passage, but not necessarily a lot of physical or culturally 
or anything like that. <clears throat> All right, so this last example I wanted to specifically talk, talk about today is something that I hadn't ever heard about, and it ended up making me do a lot more reading um, into this culture that I haven't necessarily thought about. But this is another one that, like, I guess it probably could have fallen in the category of um, quinceañeras or bar mitzvahs where we're, like, we're kind of aware of it, of their culture, but not – but I think this was, like, way lesser to the extent. So that's why I'm kind of including it here and not at that intro. But this is called, um, I think it's called Rupspringa, I think is what it's called. And it's an Amish tradition where the 16-year-old teenagers um, of their of their societies of and of their um, communities, they are allowed to go out into the rest of the world on the weekends. Um, and this gives them the opportunity to decide whether or not the Amish right is right for them. Like they get to go out and they get to, you know, they can go to a sports game or they can... Um, you know, go to these more extravagant places and, and, and stores and meet new people, people who think differently than them. Um, and I, I always thought of the Amish community as so, um, so closed off that this would be like an unthinkable thing. Like, Oh, how dare my child go out into the, the rest of the world. And, and that is like not true at all. Like th this is like a, a pretty common practice um, for them is to let, uh, th their children do this. And I think there's something, um, interesting and, sp and special about that. But what, what this ends up doing is it, it gives the child a choice. It gives them the choice of, do I want to stay here with my family? Or is there something for me out there in the rest of the world that I need to be a part of? Um, and there's, and Amish culture is, um, people think of it as very simple, but I think there, there's a lot of merits to Amish culture in the sense of what their, their values are. Oh no, my cat just knocked over a speaker. That's not great. Um, <laughs> we'll get that later. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah. The values of Amish people. <laughs> uh, they, they, they care a lot about, um, just trusting in God and being self-reliant and humility and the, important, uh, the importance of a community and the importance of family. Like, there's a lot of things in Amish culture that um, I think are very admirable. Um, and the fact that they let their, their kids kind of go out and be sure that this is... I mean, th I think the idea is that because it's limited to the weekends and they've been raised up this long, like, the likelihood that they come back is probably relatively high. I couldn't find any statistics on that, right? Um, because, like, that's all they know, right? Like everyone they know is in that community. Everything they know how to do is back at that community. Like the chances are, is they're not going to want to stay out in the rest of the world. They're probably going to want to go back to their, their established community that they grew up with. But the thing is, is they're allowed to do this for 10 years. Uh, the, they don't have to make that decision until they're 26 years old. Um, and those who do decide to stay are then, uh, baptized and then made more involved, uh, permanent important members of, uh, their church and community. And I think there's a lot of, <sighs> I don't know what the right way to, to describe necessarily why I think this one is, is good, but I think it's important for, for parents to realize that our kids are not going to be exactly like us, right? Cause I am not exactly like my parents. My parents are not exactly like their parents. My kids are not going to be exactly like me. We're going to hold different ideals. We're going to be shaped by our environments. 
um, there's a lot of factors involved there. And I think it's important that they are exposed to other ways of life. Now, I think there's a right and wrong way to do that. And I don't have the answer as to what that is, right? Because we do also want to protect our kids. We want to protect them from lies. We don't want them to be, um, to fall for, um, whether it's the lies of the enemy, the lies of the culture, um, whether it's just misinformation or, um, something that's going to, uh, intentionally deceive them. Um, I, I think there, there is a, a blurred line in whatever, the right or wrong way to do this is. But I think I think that's important. I think it's, in a, in a sense, maybe this is more for the parents than it is for the kids in the sense of us learning to accept that our kids aren't going to turn out exactly like us. And really all that's going to matter is that we set a good foundation so that whatever they do end up building for themselves, that foundation that we gave them is going to be that whatever they end up doing, they're going to be strong and they're going to be able to support themselves. Um, and hopefully that's off of a, a Christian foundation as far as their ideals and what's important to them. Um, but then like, maybe they're going to have different interests than you, or maybe they're going to have different political views as you, whatever the hell it's going to be. Um, but as long as we've really set the precedent for a, a moral foundation, um, and hopefully a biblical foundation that has family-centered ideals, hopefully that then whatever they turn themselves into um, is something good and something special. Um, but yeah, that's all I had for this episode. Um, I hope it was some some good uh, food for thought. That was, that was kind of the idea here. And, um, you know, it was just something that kind of piqued my interest as I was kind of going throughout my week. And I, I, again, I saw those couple YouTube videos. Um, I think it was just something that, yeah, again, it's not, it's not ever too early to talk about because I've also kind of gathered that once you kind of just go through the motions of work, taking care of your kids, normal adulthood stuff, normal parenting stuff, time really starts to fly. And I don't want to get to the point where my my kids are moving into their teen years and I've done nothing to prepare them for the bigger parts of life. Um, so I, yes, I do have quite a few years to really think about what that's going to mean and, and how I'm going to proceed there. Um, I don't think it's too early for me to start thinking about what, what are my options? And, and then it's never too early for you to start, uh, doing the same. And maybe you don't have kids yet, or maybe you have kids on the way, or maybe you already have kids and maybe they're just not to that age yet. I, I would challenge all of my listeners to, uh, to, uh, start thinking about that. But yeah, uh, that's, that's all I had for this episode. Uh, I will be back in a couple weeks with, uh, something else to talk about. I hope you guys have a great couple weeks and I'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Godly Fathers Podcast. If you'd like to support the show, head over to anchor.fm slash the Godly Fathers Podcast to make a donation. Make sure to follow our podcast and leave a positive review as well as share it with a friend who you think might like it. You can keep up to date with us on Facebook and Instagram at the Godly Fathers Podcast. The song used in the intro and outro of this podcast is The Pit by my band Tundra. And until next time, have a great couple of weeks and uh, God bless.